Hey friends, welcome to the Next Step Leadership Podcast, a conversation dedicated to helping you make your next step your best step. I'm Tracy Reynolds, and my partner for the Next Step journey is Chris Maxwell. Together we hope to inspire, assist, and create the confidence you need to take your next step in your personal growth, spiritual growth, vocation, or even your calling. Thanks for joining us. Well, come on, let's dive into this week's episode of Next Step Leadership. Welcome to Next Step Leadership Podcast. I'm Chris Maxwell, and my friend Tracy Reynolds is with me. Uh, Tracy, I loved our dialogue uh, last week with with David, and we're continuing that today. What are some of your thoughts as we think back on our uh, our dialogue with him? They are many, and I will try to be succinct. Uh, David Dugason uh, is our guest again. Uh, he, uh, I don't know if you coined this term or not, but neighborliness, uh, I think probably not, but it's not a word that we use a ton. But we started unpacking this idea of loving God uh, supremely and then loving people basically indiscriminately loving God in a biblical way the way Jesus loved through us and what that the implications for life and living and the practicalities and I can't wait to dive back into that welcome back David uh, it's great to be with you guys again and very much enjoyed our first conversation last week so if uh, if you guys may have missed that one maybe go back hit pause right now go back uh, and then uh, listen and then uh, jump right back in but it's a joy to be with you guys well, for anybody who missed, you, uh, David, has had over 20 years in investing in communities uh, in a number of roles, from a pastor, a speaker, a teacher, an advocate, uh, an author. Uh, you can find his books. But at the heart of all that is, I would just say, a movement that God has placed in your heart, uh, something that's bigger than you, uh, that he desires to do, not just in North Carolina, but uh, in communities all around the world. So uh, let's go back. You gave a definition to the word neighborliness uh, that I thought was intriguing. If you could unpack that a bit, and then kind of we can just let it, let it go from there. Yeah, during my doctoral program, when I was uh, studying uh, uh, generational poverty and the systems and structures that that um, that lead to inequality in our country, I. I ran across this word neighborliness in um, a book by Walter Brueggemann called Money and Possessions. It was every reference to money and possessions in all of scripture. And it was it was one of those books where it's like that was a it, it was a great read, but it was kind of hard. Right. Like it's, it's like a very academic book. But he kept on using this phrase. The spirit of neighborliness compels us to, you know, whatever. And I'd never really heard that word before. And so um, I just kind of accosted it. I, I took it and I just, you know, made it, <laughs> made it, made it our own. You know, I've had a lot of people say that. So now if you look in the dictionary and had the word neighborliness, your picture is just the right of that. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I had, uh, had somebody, uh, you know, say, oh, aren't you the neighborliness guy? I was like, all right, it's working. Um, but uh, anyway, yeah. Neighborliness uh, to me, it goes back to Mark 12, 28 through 34, which is one of the three references to the greatest commandment. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, the Luke 10 passage uh, takes us on this journey of hearing Jesus say that, but then he gives the example of the Good Samaritan crossing dividing lines of race and religion and economics. Um, and, th- and that is literally Jesus saying, let me show you how to embody loving neighbor. And so neighborliness to me is embodying the presence of Jesus, his care, his compassion, his kindness, his love 
to the world around us. Um, there's an author named Bob Goff who I had the pleasure of meeting and kind of hanging out with for a while. And he said something uh, just in passing. And Bob is just such a whimsical spirit, right? And he has a book called Love Does that really impacted my life. And he said, how's your faith working out for everyone around you? And I think that's a great question as we explore the spirit of neighborliness. It's one that has compelled me is what is this beautiful faith that renovated my heart, that set me free, that was chain breaking and powerful and set me on a path. Um, What does that mean for my neighbors? What does that mean for everybody around me, my family, my friends? Um, But then that question has to extend to what does that mean to my neighbors that come from very different backgrounds that I do? right? Um, my neighbors in high poverty communities, what, what is my faith and what is our collective faith mean to the world around us and the communities in which we inhabit? And so it just set me on a path that, um, I just have not been able to get off of, nor do I want to. Mm. As you've been on that path, what are specific ways you've responded to that, to the need? Uh, cause you haven't left it alone. You, you've yeah. been willing to pursue and take action. Yeah. Give us some specific examples of how this is playing out. Yeah, I mean, I'll just list off some stuff and then you guys can circle back to whatever you want to. But, um, you know, my doctoral work uh, started with generational poverty, moved into uh, racial and economic injustices. I started to realize that there was an interconnectedness there. And then it started to kind of move towards where, where it settled was holistic community development. That the body of Christ, Ephesians 4, that we have every gift necessary to be a mature body and what happens is when we um, misappropriate those gifts or turn them into vocations instead of gifts now all of a sudden we start to get imbalanced and so it says that we have apostles prophets evangelists shepherds teachers Mm -hmm. and all of those things have their expression and what i started to realize is you know what i bet right here in my church i bet we have every gift that is needed to bring shalom wholeness and healing Mm -hmm to our community. And so we started to put together this framework um, that I was seeing as I was studying. Uh, I traveled all over the country uh, to, to see what communities and, and how they had seen the, the needle move towards helping families that were living in poverty. And um, we came up with a framework and it was equitable access to education, employment, healthcare, and housing. And when I started to realize that gaining equitable access to those four areas was like a stool that that any of us that are not living in an economically under-resourced community we probably know the path towards how we're going to gain access to those things but in high poverty communities one or more of those legs of that stool are broken and unless we find ways as the body of christ to just awaken the giftings of the body of christ to say hey you know what i'm actually pretty good at that um we're not going to see the shalom that, that God intends. And so for us, it became, you know, for me as a pastor, I'm not an expert in any of those areas, right? Um, but I started to talk to the church about it. I started to teach and preach about using your giftings uh, for the betterment of your community. And and really where it started, the, the initial thing was um, there was a businessman named Tim who was a developer. Uh, we had just had a report come out that said that there was a 34,000 unit shortage for affordable housing in our city. Wow. And I said, Tim, you're a developer. What should we do about this? And we started having conversations about it. Um, I started talking to a nurse about the the healthcare inequities in our community. 
we realized that the community that our church was located in needed four full-on medical clinics just to meet the need of what was going on in the neighborhood. She introduced me to a few people. We had some conversations. Um, and so you see the path was not me going out there trying to figure out how to do this. We just went to people in our church that, yeah. that maybe they didn't have a high enough position to be able to go and do like anything about it, but they could introduce me to somebody that could. Um, we ended up opening up a full-on medical clinic right there at our church, like a, a family practice community medical clinic right there, connected the wall, touched our church. Uh, Tim, uh, his heart was captivated um, by this this issue. He created an entire arm of his company that focused on affordable housing. If we fast forward several years now, seven years now, um, we've built three um, affordable housing, mixed income communities of 185 units apiece in Charlotte. Mm. Um, we have four more in the pipeline, 25 homes that we have uh, worked on with Habitat for Humanity to move families towards home ownership and a townhome community of 33 units. That's just millions and millions and millions of dollars of redevelopment work. And But the, the key for everybody listening is the body of Christ being activated into their giftedness. That is not that is not a pastor that's out there saying, hey, we're going to do this and we're going to do this, we're going to do this. I believe that the call of the pastor is to raise up, to equip, and to send, right? And so one of the things that Tim said to me was, no one ever told me that I could be more than a check writer or a mm -hmm. board member for Christian organizations. He said, what, what you've done is you've shown me that I can use my giftedness of the things that I'm good at to help, you know, like bring healing to this community. And, and so for, for us, it's been a, a wide ranging approach that we try to keep um, pretty tight within um, how, how do our families that are in the church um, either represent the need that is, you know, then we can point them towards the, the things that, um, that, that are a part of that framework or what giftedness do we have in our community where we can uh, creatively think outside the box about leadership and about how we uh, get people to, to start using their gifts to, to bring shalom to communities. It's powerful. You know, as you mentioned earlier, this being birthed out of a, a prayer time that was ecumenical. There were people, pastors and church workers from a lot of different... It seems to me that this is probably going to move outside the walls of just your church yeah. to become a bit more embracive because, as you said, God gives the, the gifts we need to accomplish the mission he's given the local church to do. But then if I'm going to reach the community, I'm going to probably have to have some partnerships with others. So, so talk a bit about that. Yeah, I mean, the, the whole framework is built around the idea that the residents of high poverty communities uh, sit over and above as a priority everything else. So um, it's not us coming into communities trying to figure out what what is needed. It is us mm -hmm. listening and having a long period of time where we're trying to listen to the residents in the community. What do they desire? What do they want to see change? What do they never want to change in their community? and then activating the gifts of people that may not be in that community that might be able to bring some of the stuff mm -hmm. that is needed in the community or desired in the community. Um, and so, so that's been um, a, real, a real gift to see kind of the, the um, one of the things that I say is we don't do ministry to the poor at the expense of the rich. And what I mean by that is we're not just there to, to serve the poor, right? Like we, we're there to participate in life with an entire community, but also there are people that have had some measure of success that 
have been overlooked as well and and feel very lonely in their success and, and very lonely in their gated community or in their high-rise you know uh, condo and so um so for me it's been a real joy to see the way that god brings together the body of christ um, and then what i started to realize is that the framework wasn't just for charlotte um, and that's when i ended up stepping down three years ago and began to do this full-time working with churches and organizations business leaders uh, to show how this can be done in communities all over the country. And honestly, like, I mean, even in different parts of the world, when you look at the framework, um, it is elemental things, education, employment, healthcare, housing. Everybody needs those things. It's like, you know, like the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? Like you, yeah. you got to stabilize. Um, and I even think that neighborliness and using this framework impacts the evangelism because mm -hmm. Matthew 25 says, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me a drink. When I was a foreigner, you welcome. You know, like these are very physical things. And so, the more that I can address the physical um, disparities in our culture, the more that I can share this beautiful message of Jesus. Yes. Because I've I've been able to participate in seeing the stabilization of community. And they say, "Well, what's your motivation?" Oh, it's Jesus. You know, mm -hmm. like He renovated my heart. You know, and so so to me. Um, I believe we're on the front end of, of what God is doing. We moved to Winston-Salem a year ago, and we're, we're doing it all over again. And so I've spent a year here without telling anybody um, what we want to do. I've just been meeting people and trying to figure out who has God already ordered in the body of Christ that are great in these areas. I don't need to reinvent the wheel. I don't need to be the center of this work. Um, but how can we start to stitch together this beautiful thing that God is doing. And so um, we're, I'm actually sitting in my office in Winston-Salem right now in a very under-resourced community uh, that is full of life and full of potential. It's uh, been overlooked for a long time. And uh, and God's opening new doors again to, to do it all over again. I believe this is replicable everywhere. Amen. I just, I, just love, right. I was going to say, I just love your heart. And um, thinking about these podcasts being the our first two podcasts of the new year, Mm -hmm. uh, and many of those who are listening to your story want to make a difference. I mean, Tracy and I know these, so many of the people, not everyone who listens, but we know many of the people. They have a heart, you know, and they're like, I want to make a difference, but but how? What could, what could, what are some small things? I mean, the first two chapters in my book, Equilibrium, believe in the big, be faithful in the little. Yeah. And you can see big possibilities, but what are some steps that, that some of our listeners could take right now to begin yeah. this new year in a new way to be faithful in something that may never be noticed but is making a positive difference in their community. Yeah, I, I mentioned the the um, the scripture in the first podcast, but Psalm one nineteen one oh five says, "God's word is a lamp to guide our feet, uh, a light for our path." And so that intimacy with Jesus. Uh, knowing his heart, not just for the community and what we're going to do, but knowing his heart for us as believers and us and what how we're wired, uh, knowing our strengths and our limitations is so important. And so intimate time with Jesus leads us to the assurance that we can take one right next step. And so what I would say is when we look at any complex issue, um, the way that I break it down is I may not know how to you know uh, bring healing to an entire community, but I can take the next right step. And so the listeners uh, that are joining us today, uh, everybody has a next step. Uh, mm -hmm. Some may need to, to just make a friend 
from a different background because the relationship will impact the way that you view the world, right? Um, I always say your calendar doesn't lie to you. So if you have not scheduled in advance time with somebody that comes from a very different background uh, than you, then it may not be a priority in your life. And you can change that very simply by making a phone call or trying to reach out to somebody and say, hey, can we just get together, right? Um, another next right step might be just you know starting to get a good book. I mean, I hope that Neighborliness is an addition to um, many other great books that um, that address these uh, these areas. Um, and I've got a, a list on my website of recommended reading um, at neighborliness.com uh, outside of my book. Um, I, I that list of maybe fifteen or twenty books. Those are all just kind of like introductory books to this. Um, now, there may be some people, um, particularly since, um, you know, uh, George Floyd's death a couple of years ago, many people bought a bunch of books like mine um, and began to read and began that journey, but then they didn't keep taking the next right step. Mm-hmm. And so if, if you're somebody that does understand at least base level things as it relates to uh, the disparities in our culture, I believe that, um, again, at the website, I've got the whole framework of education, employment, health care. I've got a whole description of it. Um, maybe start reaching out to folks in the community and saying, hey, you know, this is a this is a way that we can really make a difference in our community. And so I, I think that there are various different ways that, um, that begin with, um, let's put it this way, you have to have a self-awareness of what your next right step should be. So if, you, if you're just now getting sparked in passion for this, you probably shouldn't be trying to do holistic community development, mm-hmm. right? You should probably be doing prayer, relationships and learning. Um, but education is action and the season of learning will inform the season of, of outward movement. Hmm. That's so good. Say that again. Yeah. I just, I believe that education is action. And, um, you know, I mean, you guys are both academicians, right? You, you understand this. We, we have, I always say this about like, um, when I'm meeting with, um, uh, businessmen, businesswomen, is that you would never make a multi-million dollar investment uh, without first doing the research on the company, research on the market, research. So education is action towards a point, but I think that we want outward movement to validate the things that we're doing. Um, If we are truly moving towards bringing healing to communities and we don't understand what led us to the brokenness in the first place, Mm. uh, we're not gonna bring the right solutions. And so I believe that education is action and education will move us to outward movement. That's rich, brother. Thank you so much for the time we've had today uh, and last week. Um, my heart, uh, personally, uh, as I'm engaging a whole new uh, community where I'm just partnering with a, a brand new uh, church doing something similar, uh, it just has kind of underscored where I already sense the Lord sending my heart, and it is exactly that, that my time in that community is developing some relationship and asking questions and listening. Um, and I'm excited about that. It's And it's it's a long journey, isn't it? It's not a yes. quick fix. It's, uh, yeah. it's just taking the, ni- the right next step. Mm-hmm. So good. Yeah, and one of the things that I say in this work is that generational poverty was embedded over generations. So it probably is gonna take a generation to see it truly um, bear out. And so just be patient. And as I tell my children, what else are we gonna do every day? Let's let's just get up every day and and try and do something good, you know, and try and follow the Lord into his purposes for our community. So good, thanks David. David. Thank you for talking about it. Thank you for writing about it. 
but personally I want to thank you for living it mm-hmm. because I mentioned in our previous uh, podcast that we rode together but as we were riding together there was a vehicle off the side of the road and someone was in danger uh, you didn't continue driving <laughs> you stopped you pulled us over and you stopped and you went and you showed love and kindness to a person you had never met before. You put yourself at risk. We didn't know if the, what, I mean. Yeah, that car was this fire, you know, you know, so, <laughs> what is about to happen? <laughs> but, but you put yourself there in a difficult and uncertain situation because you showed the love of Jesus. And so I just want to end with that. I encourage our audience to check out your book, to go to your website, to find out more about the heart of Christ that you have in your life. Because as we are leading as servant leaders, let us love well as we make our next steps, our best steps. Thanks for joining us on Next Step Leadership, the weekly conversation dedicated to your personal growth and leadership development. Chris and I are so glad you dropped in. You can find us on all your favorite podcast providers. Do us a favor and hit subscribe. And if you really want to help us, give us a rating. We so appreciate your support. Check out our show notes for more information regarding guest contact information. Chris Maxwell's 11th book, Equilibrium, 31 Ways to Stay Balanced on Life's Uneven Surfaces, is available now at www.chrismaxwell.me or Amazon where you can find all of Chris's previous books as well. Our featured music is by Casual Americans. You can find their new musical releases at www.casualamericans.com or at your favorite music suppliers. We release Next Steps Leadership each Thursday, so join us again next week on the Next Step Journey, a conversation dedicated to helping you make your next step your best step.